0: Hey, y'all, you're listening to In the Corner, back by the wood pile. Amazing Grace will always be my song of praise.
1: I'm Spung Counter Guy, thanks for stopping by. Today's episode is part four of our series focusing on some of the folks involved with the Door of Hope Crisis Pregnancy Center of Madisonville, Kentucky. Today's guest is a pastor, author, and former Woodpile guest, Reverend Marvin Hightower. We use the occasion to talk about the pro-choice and pro-life arguments, the issue of race in regards to abortion, and the joy and trials of fatherhood. But first, we begin by Reverend Hightower relaying of how his own mother tried to have him aborted more than once.
0: My mom was 16 when she got pregnant. She uh, was in high school and poor and scared and uh, single, so she, uh, I'm sure she got some, you know, people talking, family talking, and talked her into having an abortion. Uh, it was illegal in those days, so she went across state lines and actually went to a backroom abortionist and actually laid on the table, went through the process of an abortion, the guy that performed an abortion on her. This is in Evansville. Okay. And uh, so she felt like, you know, the pregnancy is terminated, baby's gone, and she can get back to her life. But sometimes later she felt life still growing on the inside of her. And uh, so she uh, decided to go back, and she laid on the table again, and supposedly the guy performed an abortion on her the second time. Like I always say, n- nine months after conception, a very handsome baby boy was born, but that's my... Uh, <laughs> That's my testimony. She tried twice to to abort me. That's amazing that that it didn't take it's, it's amazing. people try to well, you were triplets well maybe he didn't do it I mean, but he's an abortionist and he's performed you know many abortions so Either way, it's a miracle, you know. Right. God knew I was going to grow up to be a man of God and preserve my life, you know. And uh, and I always say this that uh, my mom didn't know that the baby she was trying to get rid of would grow up to be a man of God that would spend most of his life trying to save other lives. But God did, and I think, and God actually uh, preserved my life in one way or another. Either He kept the guy from performing the abortion, but I think He, I think He did what He's supposed to do. I, I just think it was supernatural. I love it because in the in the Bible, I know you don't got time for all this, but no, but in the in the Bible, when there was a prophet or a man of God or even Jesus was getting ready to be born, there was a decree given at the time of Jesus and John the Baptist, who was a prophet, to kill all the babies trying to get that get that voice. And in the time of Moses, there was there was a decree, decree to kill all the babies. So my thing is the enemy, he will try to physically kill you when he knows you know he knows your future knows your destiny but if he can't kill you physically like he tried to do me he will try to steal your destiny he will try to uh, steal your voice and he will try to put something in your life that's designed to keep you struggling for the rest of your life keep you from finding out who you were created to be
1: oh unborn child if you only knew
0: just what your mama was planning
1: to do. The issue of abortion is.
0: Controversial.
1: Oh, my goodness, yeah. It's mm. it's really, if there's going to be another civil war, it may be over that, as yeah. some people are saying. Talk about your view on this, like the nuances. How did you form your view? Obviously, you have your personal story. Sure. But there are even some people that may say, well, I think abortion is destructive or not good, but I still am pro choice, all that kind of thing. What's your take on all that?
0: I think it's it's political and I think it's propaganda to even say something like I don't think abortion is right, but I think I'm pro-choice. I think that somebody like that has bought the propaganda. I don't I don't think you can be anti-abortion or pro-life and pro-choice at the same time. I think that there are situations that the decision should be left up to the family. But I think those are rare decisions.
1: For example?
0: Like maybe if the mama's life was in jeopardy. Because of my background, because of how God spared my life, I have uh, I have ministered to women like that. I don't know how much you believe in all this, but uh, I've told women they were pregnant when they didn't know they were pregnant. There's been a couple of cases where, well, one in particular, I was ministering in the church, and this lady was obviously pregnant. And I stopped in the middle of the message and pointed at her and said, I don't care what the doctors say, that baby will live and be well. And uh, kept on going, never heard from the lady. Three years later, the lady, she got into drugs and was in jail. And Tanya Bowman was our chaplain at the jail. She was going to the jail to minister to the women. And she saw this lady, and this lady said, You tell your pastor uh, because... I was sitting in that service at, you know, name the church and all that and said, said I was pregnant. And, and he pointed at me and said, I don't care what the doctor say, that baby will live and be well. She said, he didn't know that I went to the doctor that day. And the doctor said that my baby was dead and and that it would be stillborn, that I had to carry it to term and deliver a dead baby. Mm-hmm. She said, tell him I have a healthy three-year-old baby. Uh, and that may be super spiritual about it. So I, I think, that even in negative situations that god can do it because uh, what i grew up to be who i grew up to be i know that sometimes god has a plan beyond what we can see you know
1: the church the current church i guess has always had problems and divisions and there's always been a a branch that's tried to accommodate the culture i know some people that are in that i guess you call it the kind of on the left side of things in the church and i think they're sincere Sure, and they're embarrassed by the pro life folks. And I've heard recently that some Christians that work for Planned Parenthood are trying to convince others that this is a compassionate thing we're doing. We're we're trying to uh, we're keeping a child out of misery. We're trying to keep the poor. Kill it, kill it
0: to keep it out of misery. Well, yeah.
1: How would you respond to that?
0: And I understand the argument, but to me, again, it's propaganda. Kill a baby to keep it out of misery. Mm -hmm. I think the church probably could do more to minister to unwanted kids and so forth and so I'm not just numb to to the argument uh, as far as bringing a baby into crazy situations mm-hmm. I mean that's that's a legitimate argument but not for abortion it's a legitimate argument to uh, to mobilize ministries and and agencies and so forth but but not just to legitimize uh, killing a baby that, that's to me it's ridiculous to to say this baby's going to be born and he's not going to be wanted so we need to kill it it, it just doesn't. It doesn't ring true to me. It just doesn't ring sincere to me. To me, majority of abortions are about convenience, and there are ways to keep from getting pregnant. That you you don't have to get pregnant in today's society. You do not have to get pregnant. And I understand there are people in my congregation have babies, but two out of four women, one out of four women, have had abortion. I mean, it's crazy the number. And so you have to minister to those people. And and I understand that concept. And we try to be, even when I get my testimony, I try to end it by saying, listen, if you've had an abortion, God's not angry at you. He's not mad at you. There's healing for you. You have a baby in heaven. So there's no reason to walk around in guilt and shame and condemnation. We've all made mistakes. We've all made bad choices. We all got stuff that we wish we could go back in time and, and undo. But that's not to say that your life is over that your life is over. You made a decision when you were 14 or you were forced into a decision when you was 15 or you felt like you had no alternative when you were 16 or 17 or or not, whatever. God doesn't hold you uh, in condemnation and and beating you up and thinking, you going to hell and I don't love you and you killed a baby. I don't think it's the unpardonable sin, you know, Mm -hmm. in in other words.
1: Some might say I would be a hypocrite. I've had an abortion and if I... Become, if I support it, if, I, if, if I, I
0: support pro-life,
1: yeah. How can I say that if I myself have done that? How would you respond? I would to that? say
0: that's like saying if I killed somebody, I should never speak to anybody that think about murder. I mean, you know, what I'm saying if I if I robbed a store, I can't say that guy was wrong for robbing a store. That it's ridiculous. You you can't undo what you did, but you can help somebody to not do what you did. That's one of the things that I do in with my life. I've made some bad. Decisions, make some bad choices. I've had things on that's broadcast publicly that pe- everybody knows, but I'm not going to hide in shame and condemnation and get what I'm going to try to do is use my failure, use my mistakes to help somebody to not make the same mistakes that I made. That's 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 where I see it. Is uh, it's ridiculous to say, well, you did this, you can never say anything about it. There's nobody that can heal you and help you more than somebody that's gone through what you're going through. You know, it's more powerful for a woman to say, I know what it's like to have an abortion rather than somebody. I would never have an abortion. I won't even have sex before marriage. I, I don't even have sex with my husband. I mean, you know, I'm not even, I don't even like sex. And uh, it, it's more powerful for somebody that's gone through it and, and to tell you how it is and why you should not go that way.
1: We have... Black women representing 6-7% to 7% of the population, and yet we account for almost 40% of all of the abortions that are performed in this country. We have a sick and twisted Governor Andrew Cuomo celebrating that you can rip fetuses, you can rip infants and babies from their mother's womb at nine months. And who is that going to impact the most? In New York City, for those of you that don't know, more black babies are aborted than born live. A hard-hitting truth, is that the most unsafe place for a black child is not on the streets, it's not when they see a police officer, it's in their mother's womb. Historically, Planned Parenthood used to be called the Birth Control League.
0: Yeah, and the uh, black genocide and all this. Yeah,
1: Ma'afa 21, if people aren't familiar with that. This was a concerted effort to cut down the, the population of the black race and other what they called feeble minded or undesirables. Mm-hmm, yeah. And even the early 70s, like a lot of civil rights leaders, like, Jesse Jackson would always point out, like, you notice how the Planned Parenthoods are always in black neighborhoods and that kind of thing. But then a a lot of white liberals who consider themselves not racist still consider themselves pro-choice and don't see the conspiracy there. What's your take on all that?
0: I think that there's probably some truth to the conspiracy thing. (laughs) And I I just think propaganda is so powerful that people start taking it as truth. It's just like Jesse Jackson, he may have said things like that, Mm -hmm. but now he's very pro-choice. I mean, he's pro-abortion. He's not even pro-choice. You think, have one, you know? Everybody should have one. I mean, In
1: regards to him, he he only became pro-choice when he started to want to become president.
0: I think that politics changed people. I think it changed their core beliefs and their morals and everything. I think people that have gone to Washington, good people, Mm -hmm. and want to make a change and get up there. and, And their main concern is staying in office. Even if it's not a conspiracy, it's it's known that most most abortions are performed on black or uh, minorities. So even if it wasn't a conspiracy, it has ended up that way. That it has ended up being detrimental to the uh, to the black community. Just so many issues that have been bought hook, line, and sinker without any question, without any research or anything.
1: It, it, it's sad. It's sad. I mean, it reminds me of when I saw Public Enemy one time. They had a guy dressed up in a Klan's robe, and he came out and said, I want to thank all you drug dealers. You're making my job easier. And I think the same thing about the abortion industry. Yeah, Yeah.
0: I think so, too. And I think think drugs are right in there, too. Uh I think slavery did blacks such a disservice that it is still impacting the choices. I mean, it became so easy to be a stud rather than a father. You know what I'm saying? It became so easy for the family to be matriarchal rather than patriarchal i mean it it became so easy and we've never changed it we never addressed that even mexicans are culturally aware you know what i'm saying they stay with their heritage and they teach their beliefs teach their core teach what it is to be a mexican jews have done a wonderful job of it even indians that come over here from you know pakistan wherever they keep connected and we are the only people seem like, and boy, we get in trouble. But just we, we just seem like the only people that have never been culturally stabilized or anchored mm-hmm. in who in who our identity is. So if you don't have an identity, and I teach, I wrote a book called Identity Crisis: Overcoming Identity Crisis. And if you don't know who you are, then people can tell you who you are. And it just seemed like you know my race, like you know everybody can tell us who we are with. That's who we are. We're thugs. We're we're pimps. We're hoes. And I think welfare is part of the part of the problem too. But
1: what? Well, why would that be? Because again a lot because, of people think because it's a good thing.
0: I think it could be a temporary good thing, but to live on welfare puts a ceiling over your head to keep you from excelling and being better. There have been people that that they got a job. They were getting maybe food stamps and they had the job and getting food stamps and getting a medical card and they got a twenty five dollar raise. And that was too much, so they took their medical card. Their medical card is worth thousands of dollars a month. So you think I'm going to take $100 more a, a month and and lose thousands of dollars more Do you think- when I can sit home and, and get the 75% of, of what you're giving me and still have my medical card? So, I mean, it's a trick. It's a trick to keep. So it's it's rigged in your mind. It's rigged, yeah. And I think a lot of it is political. I think it's just to keep people going a certain way, thinking a certain way, voting a certain way, and all that stuff. But it's a trick to keep you from excelling and being the best you can be. Black people go to school less than anybody.
1: Okay, They have more
0: dropouts than, I mean, you know, go
1: to uh, college and stuff. So as an individual, regardless, we we can differentiate. If, If you're a black person, you're hearing this, and you are disgusted by the, like you said, the thug culture and all that kind of stuff, embarrassed. As an individual, what can they do to to help change the things? And then, if a white person, again, that maybe doesn't live in those neighborhoods, doesn't know any black folks, but wants to help, in your mind, how would both of those folks, as individuals, help change things or or make the world a little better?
0: It's a mindset that has to be, you have to renew your mind. Mm -hmm. The Bible even says that, not to bring the Bible into it, but the Bible says that be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It doesn't say give your heart to Jesus and you think different and you'll live different. It says once you give your heart to Jesus, because he's talking to Christians, he said the transformation in your life doesn't come by you having just a new heart. It comes by you renewing your mind. And so you have to change the way you think. And there has to be people that's not buying the lie that this is how we are as a people. So it has to be some black people that's into self-empowerment and there has to be white people that are into self-empowerment and not people that are politically motivated. You know what I'm saying? That they're just doing what they do for political reasons and to get political gains. They have to really be concerned about the people. And If you're concerned about me, you're not just going to give me a fish. Mm -hmm. You're going to teach me how to fish. If you really love me and you think you're doing me a service by giving me a fish every time, but you're not. You're not teaching me. You're not helping me to be self-sufficient. you you help, You helping me to be dependent. Right. And you're crippling me. Which is
1: another form of slavery.
0: It's, it is another form of, uh, it, especially mental slavery. I mean, we do have opportunities, but there are things that, that black people have to deal with that white people will never understand. There's a reason black people don't trust cops. And they think if you blue, then you can't be black. If you're black, then you ain't blue. Why can't I support the cops when they're right Mm -hmm. and support black people when they're right? My thing is to be fair and be honest about it. And if a black person is wrong, then he's wrong. I don't care if it was a cop. And if a cop is wrong, then he's wrong. I don't care if it was a black people. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But there are people that unquestionably are a certain way. Well, I, I support the police. And they, they shoot somebody in the back on the video, and they say, well, we don't know what happened before the video was started shooting. Right. It, it don't matter what he did. He can smack them, spit on him, and call his mama a whore. Mm-hmm. It don't it don't matter what he did. There's no reason for a cop who was trained, supposed to be trained with self-control, to shoot somebody. In a, I don't care if he ran 100 miles. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, you shouldn't have ran. Mm-hmm. That's justification for shooting somebody in the back. You know what I'm saying? Right. And if a black man run up on a cop with a gun, and he has he has a gun, and, or he has a knife, and he's threatening the cop's life, mm. then uh, you can't blame the cop. Well, he shouldn't have shot him. He should have winged him. Now uh, I'm not taking no chance on winging nobody. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I mean, it's it just be fair and be honest about it. But when, especially the white church supports unconditionally people that are anti-black, it just it just smacks in the in the face of black people because you expect. Christian's brothers to be more Christian than they are white. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. You expect them to, to stand up for right rather than standing up for white. And the same thing with black people. I, I tell people I'm more, I'm Christian first mm-hmm. before I'm black, before I'm Democrat, before I'm Republican, before I'm anything, before I'm a tower. Mm-hmm. I'm a Christian. Christian is the foundation of who I am. I'm a Christian tower. I'm a Christian black man. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so that's the foundation of my decision. My decision, I, I'm a Democrat, so i kill them Republicans. I don't care what they do. You know, I'm a Republican, so Trump never says anything bad. He's not an idiot. He can tweet what he wants to. It's uh-huh. a free country. But then if, if Obama does it, then he's an idiot. He's a racist. You know what I'm All saying? Right. Just be fair about about it and be, be Christian about it.
1: So, sycophantry. <laughs> so, for example, if you're either a Trump or Obama supporter, no matter what they do... It's okay. It's right. I'm right. going gonna, gonna to change my mind. If, if he says something one week and he says something different another week, I'm going to go with it.
0: I can't, I can't deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> another thing is, okay, you can be anti-Trump, but if he does something good, why, why can't you give him credit for right. it? Right. You can hate LeBron. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I know people that, that, he moved to Miami. I can't stand LeBron. <laughs> uh, uh He's one of the greatest players they ever played. No, he's no, he's not, he's not Man, give the guy credit, even if you don't like him, you know what I'm saying? Right. And if Trump does something right, then right. give him credit for it. If You can hate black people all you want, but if Obama did something good, I mean, just be fair. Yeah. Just be Christian about stuff. Right. It's frustrating. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a man without a country, because I'm a conservative Christian, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I know the social injustices that white people will never understand. You give me beauty for ashes. You turn my morning to dancing. In times of sorrow,
1: you give me joy. Next, we talk about how Reverend Hightower got involved with the Door of Hope.
0: One thing that uh, got me involved was we had Gwen kick to come to our church. And she used a scripture I had never heard before. And I hadn't been in the ministry that, that long, but I'd never heard it. But it was talking about how God would take your valley of, of Achor, which Achor means trouble. So I would take your valley of trouble and make it a door of hope. And man, it just it just uh, blew me away. I used that scripture, have used that scripture so many times. Wrote about it in my book. With my story, my mom trying to abort me, I wanted to get involved in the door. And that's probably why I hit her initially. But when she taught, man, she was just so, uh, just so convincing, so compelling, and I wanted to get involved. So uh, they asked me to be on the board, and I was uh, the first speaker. I think of, the, I think it was the first banquet
1: that I spoke at. Of course, we've interviewed three other folks so far, and they've all mentioned various ways they give little stories of how Door of Hope helps, and it's not just mm-hmm. about. Pregnancy and an abortion. Right. But you, you had said to me that you knew of one story where yeah. uh, they helped a uh, the girl. Yeah, uh, uh,
0: the same girl had an abortion also. She was also molested. And I think that uh, their recovery program was really instrumental in helping her deal with self. I, I don't know what you call it, but just the stuff that she had to deal with on a daily basis. Beautiful girl. I mean, if you saw, I mean, just the uh, total package uh beautiful smart has a master's degree and just everything everything a man would want and yet struggle in relationships because of the things that she that she's gone through it really went a long way in helping her restore some self-worth and and stuff to her so so they're not just about abortion they're about other things that that really uh help a, a woman to uh have some dignity about yourself, you know.
1: A lot of prayers to get me through. And there is never a day that passes by I don't think of you. You're a father. Yes. And
0: I have four beautiful
1: daughters. So a lot of reasons why folks get abortions is that, hey, man, I'm having fun. I'm young. I've got my whole life ahead of me you know, kids are no fun. I don't want to deal with that. I want to play video games or I want to (laughs) go to college possibly. I mean, it doesn't just have to be sitting around being goofy. Having been a father for how many years now? Uh,
0: My oldest was born in 79. Mm -hmm. So she will be in October. She will be, what is it? 40.
1: Try to sell the case. Like why fatherhood is not such a bad thing. It's
0: the greatest thing that you can ever accomplish in life. I mean, what could be greater, making a million dollars or finding a cure for cancer? I mean, all those things would be great. But you have, yeah, legitimately contributed something from yourself that you really, really can in a way take credit for. Of course, you know, all life comes from God. But it's hopefully you have an opportunity to fix your mistakes. I mean, to love in a way that you never thought you could. Especially if you grew up like I did with feeling unloved and not wanted and not necessary. And then you have this person that came from you that has some of your personality and and looks like you. And uh, it's the
1: greatest gift I think man has been given by God, really. And obviously still, even though it's a great joy, there is hardships. Uh,
0: no doubt. It's It's the toughest job you'll ever love like the Marines. It's hard because just like you love them and you want to protect them and uh, you can't always do that. And uh, I had things that happen to my daughters that would rather happen to me, you know what I'm saying? in in a way that you, you would never think it could happen or it would happen because certain things are in place. And it's just, it's a part of life. Life happens. And so it can be heartbreaking as a father. So you you can't always protect them you want to protect them and sometimes be overly protect them which is not even good for them and then to to not protect them at all is not good for them so so you have to walk a tightrope of love and protection and all these things and then you have to hopefully teach them how to be good people that's going to contribute to society and not be detrimental or hurtful or harmful uh, to to society i would assume that every father think that I could have done a better job because I grew up without and my mama just passed in December but I grew up in a single parent home and my mom didn't show love she thought it made you weak or gay or whatever (laughs) if she hugged you or kissed you and my mom I remember my mom telling me she loved me one time and that was in response to me in frustration as an eight or ten year old little kid saying you don't love me and she said, I do love you. That's the only time I remember her really growing up telling me that she she loved me. But I remember at some of my uh, weakest moments, some of the moments I thought I'd failed as a man or as a pastor and everything else. Uh, I remember some of the things that they said to me just broke me down because you think, you know, I failed them as a father. I failed them as a man. And and for some of the things that they s- would say to me or did say to me during that time was just uh, mind-blowing, the, the how they loved me uh, unconditionally, basically. And uh, you can only get that from a, a kid, you know, as a parent, that unconditional love that where they love you, and think you're their hero, even when you feel damaged and flawed. They don't see the flaws. They, they see the ass on your chest and the and the cape, the invisible <laughs> cape, because they remember how you took them up and held them and did all those things for them uh, when they were small. So,
1: If you've been listening to our conversation and feel like yourself or someone you know may need help, it doesn't matter where you live. Door of Hope would love to hear from you. Just visit them at Door of Hope.com. Also, if you'd like to hear more from Reverend Hightower, have a listen to In the Corner Back by the Woodpile, episode 155, where we discuss his book, Overcoming Identity Crisis. In the Corner Back by the Woodpile is produced by A Closet, a Pocket, and a Suitcase. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbeam.com. If you'd like to send us some hate mail, You can email us at spuncounterguy at hotmail.com. See ya, and I wouldn't want to be ya.